Welcome to God's Truth. I'm Dr. D. Todd Harrison, a witness of Jesus Christ. We welcome you throughout all the world this day as we continue to study and seek the uh, mind and will of the Lord as we study the Holy Scriptures this year. This year we're looking at the Old Testament, but we're getting closer. We're getting closer to that glorious New Testament in which beginning in just a couple of months from now, we will be spending several months studying the life and the ministry and the teaching of the Savior, Jesus Christ. And of that same Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, I testify as one of his witnesses that he lives today. He rose from the dead on the third day, just as the Holy Scriptures had testified and prophesied of him. He sits and enthroned in glory and majesty, sitting at the right hand of our Heavenly Father in all kinds of splendor, glory, and magnificence where we've got angels of heaven sitting around his throne, shouting and praising, hallelujah to the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of this world. We're looking today at the prophets. Uh, we're still in these prophetic books. We've got uh, Nahum, Habakkuk, and Zephaniah today. These small little prophet, prophetic books, but they're going to be doing their best to serve the Lord Jesus Christ and witnessing and, and prophesying the destruction of different countries in ancient uh, in the ancient Middle East, including the destruction of the kingdom of Judah. And again, holding out that hope, God's hope, that the people would just repent, they could avoid all this destruction. But unfortunately, they continue to refuse. Therefore, they have to merit the justice of the of the just God. And so let's look here today and we'll begin with Nahum. And Nahum chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 7. The burden of Nineveh. Nineveh, Assyria, you're going to get it. Yes, you repented when Jonah preached to you. Yes, you repented in sackcloth and ashes. But it doesn't matter if you were once righteous. You have to stay on this, this straight and narrow path. You have to continue to follow God and keep his commandments. You can't just repent all of a sudden and expect God to bless you the rest of your lives. They've now turned back to their gods. They're worshiping their false gods and uh, they're, they're committing wickedness. And so Nineveh, you're going to get it. You're going to be wiped out here. I spared you already. I already spared you once in the days of Jonah. But here, this is later time and we're going to get you. Nahum, the burden of Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum. Verse 2, God is jealous, and the Lord revengeth. The Lord revengeth and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries, and he reserveth wrath for his enemies. <laughs> but he's a God of love, and he just... Loves, 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 right? <laughs> Continues to come back to that theme, doesn't it? That false doctrine being preached in society today, that Jesus Christ just is love, 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 and he's tolerant, and he shows sympathy, and all this to all kinds of wicked groups who commit abominations in his sight, that commit whoredoms in his sight, that live in all kinds of gross wickedness. But yet the scriptures teach a completely different Jesus Christ. The scriptures teach a completely different God. This God makes enemies. This God has enemies, he says here. This God is angry. This God takes revenge 
on his adversaries. And those who don't keep the commands, he will go after them. He doesn't love, love, tolerant, tolerant, just do whatever you want. Oh, he just loves you. Oh, he feels bad for the wicked. He just feels bad they can't keep his commandments. That Jesus does not exist, folks. When people preach to in society today, they have no idea what they're talking about. They've never read the Old Testament. They've never read the New Testament. They've never read the Doctrine and Covenants. They've never read the Book of Mormon. There's not, not any scriptures that back up this false Jesus that they're preaching today. That Jesus does not exist. We're about to explore the New Testament and the life and teachings of Jesus Christ in the New Testament in the year 2023. We will continue to see the same Jesus Christ when he was here on the earth as he was to the people in the Old Testament. That same Jesus Christ we already saw last year when we did the Doctrine and Covenants. The Lord is furious. Yahweh, Yahweh will take vengeance on his adversaries and he reserveth wrath. Not love, not love for his enemies, not love for those who don't keep his commandments. He reserves wrath for his enemies, wrath for those who don't keep his commandments. The Lord is slow to anger. He's very patient with the people. He gives them multiple, multiple, multiple opportunities to repent, to change the course of their lives, to come unto him. And great and power, and it will not at all equip the wicked. The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebuketh the sea and maketh it dry, just like he did to the Red Sea, and the Israelites passed over on dry land, and drieth up all the rivers. Bashan languisheth, and Carmel and the flower of Lebanon languisheth. The mountains quake at him, just like when they came down in that uh, in that in that uh, unidentified flying vehicle on Mount Sinai to Moses, when the whole mountain of Sinai was quaking, and the hills melted. Remember, the rocks were melting and everything from that uh, descent, and is burned at his presence. They were so powerful, they had to tell the Israelites, stay away from the mountain, right? They put a boundary of stones, remember? So you can't come closer than that, right? Or you're going to be burned to death, right? He says, his presence, yea, the world and all that dwell therein. Who can stand before his indignation? No one can. And who can abide in the fierceness of his anger? Not love, not love for the wicked, not tolerance, oh, sympathy. Oh, he feels so horrible for those who refuse to keep his commandments. <laughs> Says here, fierceness of his anger. His fury is poured out like fire, and the rocks are thrown down by him. This is the real God, guys. This is the real Jesus Christ, the real one, the real God, not the false one that being preached in society. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knoweth them that trust in him. You trust in him, you will be protected. You will be loved. Yeah, he, you know, he will bless you, but you don't. You're, you're meeting this fierceness of anger, this fury of anger. Uh, that You will be an enemy to God. Much better to be one of his friends, right? You I call my friends, he has said in some verses of scripture. Better to be his friend than his enemy. Okay, so that's 1 through 7. Now we'll look at 14 through 15. And the Lord hath given a commandment concerning thee, that no more of thy name be sown. Out of the house of thy gods will I cut off the graven image and the molten image. 
I will make thy grave, for thou art vile, right? So he prophesied once again, he's going to destroy. The thing he goes after the most in all the scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament, Doctrine and Covenants, he goes after false religion because he knows that false religion damns the soul. It does not exalt the soul. It does not bring it to heaven. It damns the soul. That's why he's so hard on this all the way through the all the scriptures, just always. And when we see in the New Testament, he's going to go after. I mean, when you look at Luke, right, Ch starting chapter 5 all the way through the rest of Luke, just constant confrontation, constant, uh, you know, going after those religious leaders uh, in the of ancient Judaism that were around in his day, just constantly attacking false religion. He says here, and this is reference to the last days here, that you know he's going to again destroy the images, destroy these graven images. First thing he did when he appeared to the prophet Joseph Smith in the grove, right? Their pastors are corrupt. Their false creeds of this false apostate Christianity are a Abomination in his eyes. Very first thing he did, just the very character of Jesus Christ. Just as we're seeing all through the Old Testament, just as we see it all through the New Testament and the Doctrine and Covenants, that's what he does. He condemns false religious leaders. He condemns false forms of worship. That's exactly what he did after 2,000 years being silent in the heavens. No communication between God and mankind on the earth for nearly 2,000 years. First thing he says, condemns the false beliefs, false worship, and false teachers of apostate Christianity at that time. Exactly his character. And he says here, uh, so he's going to do that. He's going to do away with these creeds. He's going to destroy him. Uh, and then in 15, what is he going to do it to, to, to help with that? He's going to send forth the missionaries, right? He's going to send the missionaries throughout the world here. Behold, upon the mountains the feet of him that bringeth good tidings that publishes peace. O Judah, keep thy solemn feast, perform thy vows, for the wicked shall no more pass through thee. He is utterly cast, they're cut off, and he's been sending the missionaries since 1830 throughout the world to tell the people, stop worshiping a false Jesus, stop worshiping a false God, come unto the God of the Bible, the Jesus Christ of the Bible, and be saved, right? Now, when we fail to preach that message, we fail to honor him, and our baptisms go down. In the early 1800s, when they went forward and they taught that, right? Now, the persecution would would, would, would rise, right? And you, you have this trade-off, right? The more uh, you're baptizing and bringing people to salvation, the higher the persecution is going to be, right? And so, you know, since since we stopped preaching the message of the first vision, our baptisms have gone way down, right? And we don't baptize very much anymore because we fail to preach the message of the first vision. We tell the event, we tell people, oh, God and Jesus appeared to Joseph Smith and therefore Joseph Smith was called to be a prophet. That's true. But what did God and Jesus say, right? <laughs> this is the most important message in 2,000 years of the earth's history, right? And we can't even go tell the world that, that message. World, the, the world, the message from Jesus Christ to the world after 2,000 years is your preachers and your pastors are corrupt. They honor him. They say the name, Jesus, Jesus, but their hearts are far from him. 
They teach for the honor and glory of mankind. They teach for riches and to have it as a job, as an employment. Uh, their beliefs and their false apostate uh, uh, teachings of this false apostate Christianity are an abomination in the sight of God. Because why? They teach you to worship false things. They don't teach you about Jesus Christ. They call it Jesus, but they call it all oh, the spirit that just floats everywhere and at the same time is nowhere present. If it's everywhere, number one, nowhere, zero, one times zero equals zero. That's atheism, folks. That God does not exist. You're saying he exists everywhere and at the same time exists nowhere? That God is dead. There is no God. That That's atheism, folks. You need to wake up, abandon this false Jesus, this false God, and come into the true Jesus of the Bible. Not the one that does not have body parts or passions, which they'll tell you, but the one that says, handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. Therefore, apostles, fill my body, fill the wounds in my hands and in my feet, and thrust your hands into my side and see. I don't have, I'm not a spirit. I have a body of flesh and bones. That's the Jesus of the Bible. That's the Jesus of the New Testament. You worship that Jesus, you're worshiping the true Jesus. You worship the, the Jesus of the false creeds, an abominable um, uh, heretical Christianity that has no body, no parts, no passions. That's everywhere and at the same time nowhere presence. That's not Jesus. That is a false God. You might as well be worshiping these false, uh, other false gods, false images is throughout the Bible. Baal, Asherah. Molech, Kamish, take your pick. You might as well, right? You're not worshiping Jesus Christ if you're not worshiping Jesus Christ. It's very, very simple. Okay, so that's Nahum chapter 1. Uh, now let's look at chapter 2, and we'll look at 3 through 4. The shield of his mighty man is made red. The valiant men are in scarlet. So when Jesus comes back, we're told that he's coming back in red. Now, Scripture kind of unclear as to what this means. Is he actually coming with red clothing? Or is, is his white clothing going to quickly turn red as he treads down all the wicked and has their blood just flowing all over? Because we talked about how they're going to tread down all these people. They get, blood's going to be flying all over and land on his garment. So it does say that. So we're not sure if he's coming with red and then red blood will be on top of the red garments. But nevertheless, uh, here he said, now we learned that it's not just Jesus, right? But his angels who are coming here with him, his valiant man, his angels to also tread down the wicked. They're going to also be in red, at least because their blood, all the blood of the wicked are flying all over their, uh, all over their clothes. But whether they're really also wearing red or not, we just don't know. Uh, so the, uh, but here it's the made red. The shield of his mighty man is made red. The valiant men are in scarlet. The chariots shall be with flaming torches in the day of his preparation. And the fir trees shall be shaken terribly as these, uh, you know, we've looked at this several passages, right? They keep coming right back to this, right? These flying objects are going to be flying around in the heavens, flying through the trees. You know, just like he's uh, talking about here. That's what he's talking about, right? The fir trees shall sh terribly shaken as they're flying through, looking to consume and destroy the wicked. You got the torches, you know, they'll be shooting missiles or fires or something, some sort of bombs, you know, down from these uh, the aerial uh, vehicles. 
The chariots shall rage in the streets. They shall jostle one against another in the broadways. They shall seem like torches with all this fire coming out to consume the wicked. They shall run like lightnings in the heavens, right? They're, they're trying again with his limited vocabulary, trying his best to describe what he's seeing in the last days of these aerial vehicles flying around, consuming, destroying, shooting down the wicked. And um, so that's three through four. Uh, let's go to verse eight. But Nineveh, so now we go back to Nineveh as a type, as a foreshadow of this destruction. But Nineveh is of old like a pool of water, yet they shall flee away. Stand, 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 stand shall they cry, but none shall look back as Nineveh will be destroyed in symbolic representation of the wicked being destroyed at the second coming of Jesus Christ. Verse 13. Behold, I am against thee. He's not for you, right? <laughs> false doctrine, false Christ that you're preaching in society today. That always oh, sympathizes with the wicked. He sympathizes with those who can't keep God's commandments, those who purposely choose not to keep his commandments, choose their own course of life. Oh, he sympathizes with them. Oh, he feels sorry for them. Oh, he just loves them. No, that's not here. It's not here. Any of these lessons, right? It's not here. It's not found anywhere here in the Bible. Nowhere is that found here in the Bible. He says here, Behold, I am against thee, against the wicked, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will burn her chariots in the smoke, and the sword shall devour thy young lions, and I will cut off thy prey from the earth, and the voice of thy messenger shall no more be heard. Nineveh was been destroyed by the Babylonians, who will soon then turn around and destroy the kingdom of Judah. Assyria had taken out the northern kingdom of Israel for those of you just joining us. Okay, so now we move to chapter 3, and we'll look at uh, verse 1. Woe to the bloody city, it is all full of lies and robbery. The prey departeth not. Remember, we saw Proverbs 6. Twice does he condemn the, the liars, right? He says he hates them. He hates liars. He doesn't love, have sympathy for, oh, he just loves the liars. Oh, he just sympathizes with them. Oh, he's just love, love. He says he hates them. He hates them twice there in chapter 6 of Proverbs. These seven things that the Lord God hate, and he mentions liars twice, right? And the, and the book of Revelation, he still hates the liars. says the liars will be with the adulterers and the murderers in hell. Woe to the bloody city is all full of lies and robbery. The prey departeth not. Verse 4. Because of the multitude of the whoredoms of the well-favored harlot, the mistress of witchcraft that selleth nations through her whoredoms and families through her witchcraft, behold, I am against thee. I'm against the wicked. Not for them. Not sympathizing with them. I am against thee, saith the Lord of hosts. And I will discover thy skirts upon thy face. And I will show the nations thy nakedness and the kingdoms thy shame. Remember the law of Moses, you're guilty of adultery. They take you out into the wilderness, strip you naked for shame, right? And he's saying, that's what I'm going to do to you, right? I will, uh, you know, I will show the nations thy nakedness and the kingdoms thy shame. 
Verse 6, and I will cast abominable filth upon thee and make thee vile and will set thee as a gazing stock. It shall come to pass that all they that look upon thee shall flee from thee and say, Nineveh is laid waste. Who will bemoan her? When shall I seek comforters for you, right? 18 through 19. Thy shepherds slumber, O king of Assyria. So here God speaks directly to the king of Assyria. Thy nobles shall dwell in the dust. Thy people is scattered upon the mountains, and no man gathereth them. There is no he healing of thy bruise. Thy wound is grievous. All that hear the brood of thee shall clap the hands over you. For upon whom hath not thy wickedness passed? continually the real god the real jesus of the bible right pay attention world right let's let's don't just imagine in your hearts and, and in your uh, mind some jesus that doesn't even exist let's read the bible and see who is really jesus what does jesus really think about things how does jesus act what does he teach right moving now to habakkuk Verse uh, chapter one, one through seven, the burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. Now, O Lord, and oftentimes we've often wondered this ourselves. O Lord, how long shall I cry? And that will not hear. There's times in which we'll cry out to God and he will, it will appear as though he doesn't hear because the time's not right. He needs the time to be right in order to bring it past his uh, miracles in our lives. Oftentimes he wants us to go through a period of time and and, and trial and, and testing and opportunities for growth through the trials we encounter before he removes them from us. Oh, Lord, how long shall I cry and that will not hear? Even cry out unto thee of violence and that will not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me and there are that raise up strife and contention. Wherefore the law is slacked and judgment doth never go forth, for the wicked doth compass about the righteous. Therefore wrong judgment proceedeth, right? And wonder how come they, he's allowing the wicked to be blessed and, and do bad things to the righteous. Behold ye among the heathen in regard and wonder marvelously. For I will work a work in your days which ye will not believe, though it be told you. For lo, I will raise up the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land and possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. They're going to first take out the kingdom of Assyria. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. Remember even the prophet Joseph in the, uh, in the jail, right? Liberty Jail, you know, kind of asked the same type of thing that uh, Habakkuk here is saying, you know, how long will I cry and you will not hear, you know? And, as he suffered through that uh, winter there in the uh, jail. I believe that's uh, Dr. G this in uh, Dr. Cousins, I believe, 121. Okay, and now we look at um, the next part here. We'll look at 9 through 13. There shall come all for violence. So the Babylonians are coming for violence. They're going to try to destroy the kingdom of Judah. Their faces shall sup up as the east wind. And they shall gather the captivity as the sand, and they're going to take them off to Babylon for the next, uh, you know, 50 or so years. And they shall scoff at the kings, and the princes shall be a scorn unto them. 
They shall deride every strong hold, for they shall heat dust and take it. Then shall his mind change, and he shall pass over and offend. Imputing this is power unto his God. We know it's our God, the true God, Jehovah, who's allowing them to do this because we have broken covenants with him and we've refused to keep his commandments. But they're going to then go off and say it was their false God who allowed them to do this. It was their the gods of Assyria, the, 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 of the Babylonians, the gods of the Babylonians that helped them to defeat Assyria and then to, to defeat the kingdom of Judah. Art thou not from everlasting, O Yahweh, my God, mine holy one? We shall not die, O Yahweh. Thou hast ordained them for judgment, and O mighty God, thou hast established them for correction. Thou art a purer eyes than to behold evil. How do you stand to have wickedness on the earth, God? You have pure eyes, you know, and you hate evil, and you can't look on iniquity. Wherefore lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously and holdest thy tongue when the wicked devoureth the man that is more righteous than he? How do you allow him to, to you know, de destroy and hurt the, the, the righteous that are more righteous than this wicked person? Uh, let's go on now to chapter 2, and we'll read 1 through 2. I will stand upon my watch, right? And set me upon the tower. And that's exactly the role of the prophet. To sit around, to prepare themselves to receive the word of God, and to stand on their tower and wait till God speaks to them. They're not to actively go out, speak their own mind, their own personal opinions, get involved in the politics of the day, and these sort of things, right? They are to stand upon their watch, set upon a tower, and will wait to see what he, God, will say unto me, and what I shall answer when I am reproved. Verse 2, And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision, and make it plain upon the tables, that he may run that readeth it. You know, you need to, the prophets need to record, you know, their revelation so we can have the scriptures, right? Let's look here at verse 14. For the earth shall be filled in the last days with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, even as the waters cover the sea. And we continue to see that as the gospel message of Jesus Christ continues to go out throughout all the world and teaching God's truth. 18 through 20. And here we go again. What do you expect? What do you expect from Jesus Christ and other than? than to continue to condemn false religion, right? He does it all the time. Here we go. What profiteth the graven image that the maker thereof hath graven it? What, you know, what profit do you get from this thing, worshiping this false uh, image? The molten image and a teacher of lies, the false doctrine, right? That the maker of this work trusted therein to make dumb idols. Woe unto him that saith to the wood, awake! <laughs> but yet they pray to false gods and say, awake. Uh, we have people praying to false Jesus Christ who has no body parts or passions that dwells everywhere and nowhere present. That's, that's uh, somehow mysteriously uh, one with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost is kind of a three and one, one and three, and they're all yellow. Of course, it's interesting because now lately, all of a sudden, the last few years now, a lot of the 
these top uh, uh, Christian theologians of this of, of the apostate version of Christianity. Now we're coming out and they're saying, what do they say now? Now they're starting to stress the personhood of the three uh, members of the Godhood, right? The Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. Now they're saying, oh, they're, they're really three persons. They're three separate persons, but they're they're one God, right? It's just the same as saying the three persons make up one Godhood, right? They're now starting to teach, uh, you know, the true doctrine now is they're starting to stress the personhood of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are three separate beings. For for years it was they're one and three, three and one. Now all of a sudden they're they're backing away from this and saying, well, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, you know, they're three persons but one God, right? They're three persons but one Godhood. And what one Godhead, what one Godhood is what, you know, this is the way we would describe it. But it's the same concept now. So now they're saying, well, they're really three, right? <laughs> I find it very interesting as I see Christian theologians now coming out teaching true, uh, you know, teaching true doctrine now, and they're trying to act like they always believed that, but they didn't believe that until the last few years. Okay, he says here, into the dumb stoner eyes, right? But yet they've always tried to pray to this uh, no body parts or passions God, saying, God, help us. <laughs> How, how's a God with no body parts or passions that doesn't even exist? How's he going to help you? Just like this idol, how's it going to help you? You made it out of wood. You pray and you say, hey, wake up and help me out. He can't help you. The creeds of false Christianity cannot help you. He says, uh, uh, arise, it shall teach. Behold, it is laid over with gold and silver. You can spend however much money you want making such false images. And there is no breath at all in the midst of it. No breath at all in the midst of it. Just as no, no breath out of this uh, floating essence <laughs> floats in space and nowhere present, no body parts of past. How you can you breathe if you don't have a nose? You know, it's very, very simple stuff here, guys. He says here, no breath in it at all, no breath at all in this false, uh, abominable creeds of a false, uh, apostate, heretical Christianity either. But the Lord is in his holy temple, the Lord Jesus Christ during the millennium when he's going to reign as Lord of Lords and King of Kings will reign from his temple in the new Jerusalem. And he'll be there as the king of all the earth. Let all the earth keep silence before the Lord as he's in his holy temple. Powerful chapter two. Uh, we move to chapter three and let's look at two through four. And this is a prayer that um, Habakkuk here is uh, praying. Uh, so we'll look at a couple of verses here. O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid, O Lord. Revive thy work in the midst of the years, in the midst of the years make known, and wrath remember mercy. God came from Taman down there in the Arabia, right? There's lots of gods, right? Lots of gods. But this God, Jehovah, rose from the small local place in uh, Arabia. In the Holy One from Mount Paran, uh, Salah, his glory, but yet he became glorious, right? He proved that he was God over all other gods, right? That's been the major, one of the major themes here in the Old Testament. Uh, you know, God was more powerful than all these gods of all these other nations, right? His glory, he says here, covered the heavens and the earth was full of his praise. So he became very uh, majestic. Coming out of the small area to now he's they've proven that he's the God over all the world, over all the universe. And his brightness was as the light. He had horns coming out of his hand, 
And there was the hiding of his power. Uh, verse 8. Was the Lord displeased against the rivers? Was thine anger against the rivers? Was thy wrath against the sea? That thou didst ride upon the sea with your horses and chariots of salvation. Now, we've seen for several weeks now that once again, <laughs> not to be taken 100% literally here, right? God did not ride with the chariot of horses on the rivers, right? He didn't do that, right? But we saw just as we saw last week in, in Jonah, whatever this unidentified submerged object was that was able to come in and go underneath water, the, the best that Jonah could do was say, well, it was like a big fish, right? It looked like this big object swallowed me up, you know, and so, you know, they said it looked like a big fish. Well, here he's saying, well, it looks like, you know, he's seeing this, this thing, right? And he's seeing God flying around in this thing. You could come out of the water, come in the water and so forth. And he says, uh, you know, uh, so that's how he's describing here, that you did ride upon the sea with your horses and your chariots the salvation. He wasn't literally with horses, you know, the chariot riding on the on the rivers, but he saw, you know, he saw him in this vehicle that was transporting God because he had the body of flesh and bones. He was transporting him around, you know, upon the rivers, right? Just we've seen this over and over again. We saw this with Ezekiel. We've seen this with several of these prophets now. This identifying the same thing, doing their best with their limited vocabulary to describe uh, uh, such actions. In Ezekiel, he described a God, he saw God flying this, you know, spaceship type of identified flying object through the heavens, picked them up, took them over to the river Chabar, where he said he sat down in shock for seven days after what he saw with the unidentified flying vehicle. And he saw these uh, otherworldly creatures with four faces. And also he was in shock for seven days. And then the Lord came and picks him up again in this, in whatever this flying object is. Well, same thing here, right? And just like we saw with Elijah, right? Elisha sees him get in the chariot with uh, horses and they fly off, right? Wasn't that Elijah didn't get in the actual chair, ancient chariot with horses and were flying through the sky with horses pulling his chariot, right? That's the best vocabulary Elijah could come up with to describe whatever he saw Elijah get in that vehicle and fly off into the heavens, right? So not to be taken literal here that God is with the horse and, and the ancient chariot and horses riding on the sea, but he's seeing God riding, you know, flying through the midst and, and so forth in some sort of object, right? So here he says uh, that, you know, that thou didst ride upon thine horses and thy chariots of salvation, you know, upon these rivers. Okay, let's look now at the next one. We'll look at 12 through 13. Thou didst march through the land in indignation. Not love, not sympathy. Oh, he wants to sympathize with the wicked. He wants to just, you know, he just loves them, right? He just loves them. No, that's not Jesus. Jesus is doing what? He's marching through the land in indignation. Thou didst trash the heathen in anger. Not just love, weak, pathetic, false Jesus. You know, it makes them look pathetic and, and weak. Jesus was a man, a real man. 
a powerful man, right? He was a man who went in the temples and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the people selling animals for uh, sacrifices in the temple. And he was able to do it in such a way that the people, even though they far outnumbered him and his little 12 apostles, they didn't dare fight Jesus, right? Because he did it so powerful of a man, not a pathetic, weak, sympathy, uh, love, love uh, type of uh, thing that uh, they're uh, blasphemously preaching in society today. Oh, he loves this wicked people, this wicked group. Oh, they can't help their wickedness. And Jesus understands that they can't help uh, breaking his commandments. And so Jesus just loves them. And we need to love them too. That's not Jesus. That's not nowhere in here. The Bible is totally contrary to that false Jesus. That is not Jesus. That's some weak, pathetic uh, uh, person that you people have invented who preached such a false Jesus. That's not Jesus Christ of the Old Testament. <laughs> Very clear. Any of these lessons, right? Not Jesus of the Old Testament. We're going to see Jesus of the New Testament coming up starting in January. Definitely not Jesus of the New Testament, right? Okay, so that was then, um, we're looking at 12 through 13. Thou didst march through the land in indignation. Thou didst thresh the heathen in anger. Thou wentest forth for the salvation of thy people, even for salvation with thine anointed. Thou woundest the head out of the house of the wicked. Continues about violence, destruction, not love, sympathy. Yes, he loves the, the, the righteous, right? He loves them perfectly. He died for the those who want to keep his commandments and do their best to follow along, right? No greater love had this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. So yes, he does have love for those who are trying to be righteous. He does have sympathy for those who are trying to be righteous. He does have mercy for those who are trying to be righteous. But for the wicked, indignation, wrath, anger, hatred. He says they're, they're his adversaries. He says that they're his enemies. He says he will take revenge upon them. It's just all over the scriptures and this kind of stuff. Wounds them, right? Threatening to cut off their heads, dismember them, burn them with fire. All kinds of stuff is what the scriptures teach, right? By dis uh, uh, Wounds the head out of the house of the wicked by discovering the foundation unto the neck. Selah. 15, thou didst walk through the sea with thine horses. Again, not, not, not literal, right? He wasn't, he, he wasn't riding the horse walking through the sea, right? It's whatever this vehicle thing was, transporting him is what the prophet Habakkuk here is seeing God being transported in some sort of vehicle. Best vocabulary he has, well, it's like a horse, right? So that's what their transportation was. Habakkuk got around riding a horse, riding in a chariot. So, well, it was like a horse and a chariot that God's riding on. Not to be taken 100% literal here, right? He didn't actually walk with his horses through the heap of gray waters, right? But he did go through some sort of vehicle that was able to fly and out and underneath the water and, and so forth. He says, um, 16. When I heard my belly trembled, my lips quivered at the voice, rottenness entered into my bones, and I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble. When he cometh up unto the people, he will invade them with his troops. 
Again, violence, right? Violence against the wicked. Love to the to the righteous. Violence to the wicked. He doesn't love wicked groups who are practicing abominable practices in his sight. He will invade them with his troops is what he's going to do here in this verse. Let's look at 18 through 19. Yet I will rejoice in Yahweh. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Yahweh, my God, is my strength, and he will make my feet like hind's feet. And he will make me to walk upon my high places to the chief singer on my stringed instruments. Kind of funny how, kind of fun how he ends that. It's like he's in a, some sort of musical band and they've got, they've got a chief singer and they've got people with stringed instruments. So it sounds like <laughs> Abacook was part of some kind of the musical band, right? It's kind of funny there. Okay, so now let's now move to Zephaniah uh, chapter 1. Verse 4 through 8. I will also stretch out mine hand upon Judah and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem. So we just saw Assyria is going to be destroyed uh, with, uh, with, with Nahum. It's uh, Habakkuk. Babylon is going to be destroyed. Now we get Zephaniah. Judah is going to be destroyed. I will also stretch out my hand upon Judah and upon all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And I will cut off what? False worship, those who worship false gods. I will cut off the remnant of Baal from this place and the name of the Chemerines with the priests. There's some bad translation there, but this would be Chemish in the plural, those worshiping Chemish, who's worshiped by burning your children and sacrifice to them. And them that worship the host of heaven, and astrologers here, upon the housetops, and them that worship and that swear by Yahweh, and that swear by Malcolm. This would be the probably Molochim. This is the Moloch, also worshiped by uh, children's sacrifice. Uh, Moloch in the plural is what they're trying to say. Not This is suddenly God, Malcolm, right? This is Moloch in the plural here. It's just bad translation into English. Uh, and the next one would be, uh, verse 5, and them that are turned back from Yahweh, right? You can't just say, oh, I got converted one time, and therefore God will bless me. Oh, I said Jesus. <laughs> I said Jesus, right? The false evang evangelicals, right? This is where he condemns the evangelicals. They say, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, I accept Jesus as my Lord. Hallelujah. And then they think they can go just live however they want the rest of their life, and they're saved because one time they said, Jesus, I accept Jesus as my Savior. <laughs> He's a, so those that are turned back from the Lord, you have some kind of brief conversion, turn back against the Lord. He's going after you. And those that have not sought the Lord, no one inquired for him. Hold thy peace at the presence of Yahweh God. For the day of Yahweh is at hand. For Yahweh hath prepared a sacrifice. He has bid his guests. He's gathered together the righteous. And they're going to have a sacrifice. And they're going to consume and burn all the wicked. Right? Not have sympathy for him. Not, not go, you know, always oh, just have sympathy for the wicked. Oh, Jesus just loves the wicked. No, he's calling the, right, the righteous together. And they're going to burn them as a sacrifice. 
try to read the Bible. Don't <laughs> preach some false Jesus. How about you actually spend some time reading about Jesus in the Bible first for a while until you learn the real Jesus, and then let's see if you're willing to go out and make false claims, false accusations about Jesus. And it shall come to pass in the day of the Lord's sacrifice, even calling it the day of the Lord's sacrifice, that I will punish the princes and the king's children. Doesn't matter whether you're a, a wicked poor person or a wicked rich person or whether you're a wicked uh, king of the earth. You will be burned as a sacrifice. And all such as clothed with strange apparel. Let's move now to verse 12. And it shall come to pass at that time that I will search Jerusalem with candles and punish the man that have settled on their lees, that say in their heart, the Lord will not do good, neither will he do evil, right? That's what they say. The Lord will not do evil to these wicked groups, these wicked abominable people practicing you know, gross abominations in God's sight. God will not punish them. He loves them. He has sympathy for them. He said, those who say that God will not punish them, he's going to look for you. He's coming after you. He's coming after you. It says here, look how great this is, right? Uh, it, with candles, with candles, with the flashlights, with the modern technology. But again, describing it using his limited vocabulary, calling it candles, but whether flashlights or whatever kind of, you know, you know, probably even, you know, more advanced than flashlights, even some really light things. He's going to bring lights in. He's got to look everywhere for you to get you. Those of you who said that he's not going to do evil to the uh, to the wicked. He's coming after you. He's going to look for you. He's going to overturn rocks, overturn whatever he needs to, search him with lights to find you. I will search Jerusalem with candles and punish the men that are settled in their leaves that say in the heart, the Lord will not do good, neither will he do evil. <laughs> okay, here we go. Let's go on after 12. And... Um, See, 14 through 18. The great day of the Lord, right? The Lord, the day of the Lord's sacrifice. They're calling that that, that day is the is the great day of the Lord. It is great for the for the for the righteous, for those who did their best, it'll be a great day. They're gonna get love, they're gonna get mercy, they're gonna get forgiveness, they're gonna get joy, they're gonna get happiness, they're gonna get blessings without measure, they're gonna get the windows of heaven poured out upon them. The great day of the Lord is near, it is near and hasteth greatly. In the voice of the day of the Lord, the mighty man shall cry there bitterly. <laughs> great day for the righteous, horrible day for the wicked. That day is a day of wrath for the wicked, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wasteness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. The clouds here probably referring again to these aerial vehicles that they continue to describe as clouds, right? For, again, lack of limited vocabulary. So a day of clouds that we just saw earlier, they're going to be flying through trees and everything, looking for the wicked to shoot them with the fire coming out and so forth. So that's probably what we're talking about here, a day of, a day of clouds, right? <laughs> a day of clouds, the angels of heaven flying around looking with their searchlights Finding the wicked to kill them, right? Burn them up. Day of the Lord's sacrifice here. He says here, uh, 
a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of the trumpet and alarm against the fenced cities. That would sound horrible, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be terrifying? So you have all these area vehicles flying around, shooting down uh, the wicked, and they're hearing trumpets and alarms sounding, right? That just got to be terrifying to be the wicked, right? To be the righteous, we're saying it's the great day of the Lord as they're witnessing all their enemies and the adversaries and all the wicked people being destroyed. Great for them, but for the evil, they're hearing these sirens and and the you know the trumpets. You're hearing all the wicked screaming as they're getting killed and crucified, you know, and destroyed. It says, uh, and I will bring distress upon man that they shall walk like blind man because they have sinned against Yahweh and their blood shall be poured out as dust and their flesh as the dung. <laughs> Just as, 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 as you go to the bathroom and, and the waste comes out of your body, so will their, their flesh be coming out <laughs> just like coming out like you, you relieve yourself in the bathroom and the waste comes out right just you know, their skin is just their flesh is just flying off you know it's probably some sort of you know uh, what they they talk about nuclear weapons and so forth that that can make their flesh f- uh, fall off and stuff <laughs> I mean, horrible horrible here right but but the what today's society what do we hear oh jesus he just loves the wicked oh he just loves this wicked group and this other wicked group and he sympathizes with them that they choose to reject his commandments totally totally false doctrine right okay so what a what a disaster <laughs> what we've seen here in these books what a complete disaster for the wicked right i mean you got these Things flying around, searching with lights, searching everywhere, trying to destroy them. I mean, this is incredible. With the horrible sounding uh, trumpets and alarms, this is terrifying stuff here. Okay, then he says here, and their skin and their flesh is falling off of them as as uh, you know as as your waist comes out of your out of your body. It says in 18, neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them the day of the Lord's wrath. Some people think if they just save up enough money, they can accomplish whatever they want with enough money. Your money doesn't matter to the Lord Jesus Christ, folks. It doesn't matter how much gold, how much silver you have. It says, uh, but the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy, for he shall make even a speedy riddance. Of all them that dwell in the land. Not only will this be this horrible destruction, he's going to do it quickly, right? It's going to be a speedy destruction consuming all the wicked on earth. Okay, let's move now to chapter 2. And we'll look at verse 1 through 3. Gather yourselves together, right? He already said he's inviting them to watch this uh, sacrifice. Gather yourselves together. Gather together, all nation not desired. Before the decree bring forth, before the day passes the shaft, before before the fierce anger of the Lord come upon you, before the day of the Lord's anger come upon you, it's better before his anger comes, seek ye the Lord, in verse 3. All ye meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment, seek righteousness, seek meekness, so it may be that ye shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. So he'll, be, he'll protect you. He'll protect you if you'll be righteous, if you'll, if you'll come unto him, as it says here. As you seek righteousness and seek meekness, it will be as though he's hiding you as he destroys the wicked. 
8 through 11. I have heard the reproach of Moab and the revilings of the children of Ammon. And the wicked uh, revile against the, uh, the righteous, whereby they have reproached my people and magnified themselves against their border. Therefore, as I live, saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, surely Moab shall be as Sodom and the children of Ammon as Gomorrah. Even the breeding of nettles and salt pits and a perpetual desolation. The residue of my people shall spoil them and the remnant of my people shall possess them. So just as Moab and Ammon, two countries on the border of Israel, just as they would be completely destroyed, that will be a representation of the wicked people in the last days being completely destroyed too. All just as Sodom and Gomorrah was, which we saw earlier when we looked at the uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. It looks like it was some kind of nuclear bomb that came down from the Lord and blew up the, the cities, right? And that, again, seems to be matching with their flesh falling off their body like dung and all these sort of things. They're going to get a, they're going to get nuked, folks. They're <laughs> going to get a nuclear a bomb direct from the Lord, gift from the Lord, a nice nuclear bomb. Okay, so then he says here um, in verse 10, this shall they have for their pride. This is their reward. This is their reward for their pride. Because they have reproached and magnified themselves against the people of the Lord. Those who fight against the people of the Lord will get a nice nuclear bomb. Isn't that great? The Lord will be terrible unto them, for he will famish all the gods of the earth. Again, attacking false religion. How many times does he do it? You should go through and count it, right? And men shall worship him, everyone from his place, even all the isles of the heathen. Chapter 3, verse 2 through 4. She obeyed not the uh, voice. She received not correction. She trusted not in Yahweh. She drew not near to her God. Her princes within her are roaring lions. Her judges are evening wolves. They gnaw not the bones till the morrow. Her prophets are light and treacherous persons. Her priests have polluted the sanctuary. They have done violence to the law. Eight through nine. Therefore, wait ye upon me, saith the Lord. Just as he said earlier, right? I don't understand how, God, you're letting the wicked do bad things to the righteous. I don't know how you let wickedness go unpunished. Wait for the Lord, and he'll do all these things that he's promised here in the scriptures. Therefore, wait ye upon the Lord, saith the Lord, until the day that I rise up to the prey, for my determination is to gather the nations that I may assemble the kingdoms to pour upon them my indignation, even all my fierce anger, for all the earth shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy. The earth will receive a burning, right? The whole earth is going to be burned on fire, and that's going to help it become a celestial uh, spear. Uh, first, the terrestrial, I guess, is going to be maybe two fires at some point in time here, right? We get the first one. Well, we do, right? Because we get the first one, then turn it into a terrestrial spear. And no, uh, anyone not living at least a terrestrial law during the millennium will be killed off, right? As we've abundant, abundant, abundant number of scriptures have continued to teach us here, right? 
Uh, so the earth becomes a terrestrial kingdom. Then after the millennium, there's that short season, perhaps for another thousand years. We're not told exactly uh, how long that will be, but it could be a thousand years uh, also. If, uh, but uh, it'd be the short season of time after the millennium in which once again, Satan's going to be loose and he's going to rally up the wicked and they're going to be uh, so overcome once again in their pride, they're going to think they can actually take on God and win. At which point in the book of Revelation we read about, then another fire comes down, another, and he drops in a, the Lord drops another nuclear bomb or something down on the wicked and destroys it, probably burning the whole earth again and making it into the celestial uh, type of spear here, right? But uh, uh, we do get this uh, uh, imagery in the book of Revelation that uh, in, uh, after the millennium, when the wicked once again try to try to attack God, this fires come down from heaven to consume all of them. Uh, let's see, this would be now. Um, so wait upon the Lord in verse 8. Until the day that I rise up to pray for my determinations to gather the nations. Okay. Uh, that I may assemble the kingdoms to pour upon them my indignation, even all my fierce anger. For all the earth shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy. For then will I turn to the people a pure language. This would be the Adamic language, the same language spoken by Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, that they may all call upon the name of the Lord. This would be a holy language. There are probably no swear words, cuss words, these sort of things in that language. All call upon the name of the Lord to serve him with one consent. Now we'll look at 14 through 20. Therefore. Sing, O daughter of Zion, shout, O Israel, be glad and rejoice with all the heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord hath taken away thy judgments. He hath cast out thine enemy. The king of Israel, even the Lord, is in the midst of thee. He will be reigning for a thousand years. Thou shalt not see evil any more. And that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, don't fear. And to Zion, don't let your hands be slack. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. I will gather them that are sorrowful for the solemn assembly or who are of thee, to whom the reproach of it was a burden. Behold, at that time I will undo all of that afflict thee, and I will save her that halteth and gather her that was driven out, and I will get them praise and fame in every land where they have been put to shame. So as he gathers the righteous together, he promises that they will have praise and fame in all the areas where, he'll, uh, uh, where they have been put to shame as he uh, gathers them together. At that time will I bring you again, even in the time that I gather you, for I will make you a name and a praise among all people of the earth. When I turn back your captivity before your eyes, saith the Lord. So what a powerful way that they end up these lessons here uh, today. Uh, we saw a lot of great things going on here. Uh, the day of the Lord will be a great day for the righteous. It's going to be this horrible uh, time and situation for the wicked. And so he's given you that option. He's given you that choice. You have your free will. You have your free agency. 
You can choose the Lord or you can choose the devil. You can choose life or death, uh, you know, uh, blessing or cursing. And it's up to you. It's up to you to make that decision what kind of existence you want to have. Do you want to be a friend of God? Just as Abraham was, he was called the friend of God. Do you want to be called a friend of God or do you want to be called one of his enemies, one of his adversaries? It's your choice. Uh, do you want to be blessed with happiness, joy, and peace? Or do you want to be running around as these things are flying around trying to kill you, right? Uh, you know, trust in the Lord and uh, be righteous. And he says he'll hide you from from the events of the last days, right? He will bless you. He'll, he'll protect you. So therefore, those of you who are not yet members of the church and kingdom of God upon the earth, you know, we're going to give you that invitation from directly from the Lord Jesus Christ to repent, to become baptized, to accept him as your Lord and Savior, to repent of your sins, to be baptized in his name by those who hold the priest and authority of God in water by immersion, not by sprinkling on your head by a priest, but by immersion into the water, symbolizing the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus coming up out of the water. He will then give you the gift of the Holy Ghost to lead and guide you in the way of God throughout the rest of your lives as you continue on that path and that, that walk going back to the Heavenly Father's kingdom. For those of you who have not yet had that, we will put in the description of, the, of this video a link. Just click on the link. Let the missionaries of the church know you're ready to receive the blessings of God. They will teach you what you need and help you prepare for that glorious day when you will feel the Holy Ghost descend upon you, just as similar to what Jesus had, as you will be baptized and then receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For those of you fond of inactivity, drifted away into inactivity in the church, we welcome you with full arms to come back to the saints of God. Come back and rejoice with the saints. Rejoice and to continue to praise the Lord and to be able to thank him as a community of saints for all his mighty blessings he's poured out upon your heads and throughout your life. We once again testify of the truthfulness of the things we've looked at here once again today. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the true God of whom we testify. This is not the false God being preached in the in the, the popular opinion of today's society. This is the Lord God. We should worship him, receive his blessings. As my prayer, as I as Joshua said, right? Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. May that might be is that is also my prayer to all of you will choose as Joshua did to make the Lord your God, and the one you worship and turn to, not only you, but your family as well. In closing, we ask God to pour out his blessings upon your head, that you will have, uh, that you will be uh, blessed with health, with joy and peace in your lives. We bless you with safe shelter overhead. We bless those of you who are in war uh, areas of the world where fighting's going on, that just as he has promised here in the scriptures that he will hide you in that day, so will he hide you with what's going on in your countries. This day he will bless you and protect you as though you're hidden and as he will hide you from the wicked. We bless you with the 
continued uh, uh, desire to continue to come unto the Lord God, to continue to study his word, to learn all that you can so that he can then and continue to show forth all his mighty blessings he has in store for you, not only today, not only tomorrow, not only next week, not, not only next year, but throughout the rest of your lives and throughout all eternity. We bless you with food to eat, that you may have the proper nourishment that you need to continue to survive and to continue to remain healthy, to so that you can be a blessing to those in your family and to your friends and to those acquaintances that you come in contact with. We bless you with these things. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.